Hello and welcome to Huguenot Podcast, episode 133. Before I get into the podcast, I'm going to quickly go over the station news. A reminder, if you want to check out my website, do feel free to do so. That's at huguenhof.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And if you want to check out Steve's books... You should do that as well. He's on Amazon.com. Just search Stephen Oaks or just go to the show notes because I've got a link to his books in there. I think also his blog, but the big ones are the books. I also have a book. You can check it out also in the show notes. Byron Rogers, Lightbringer. I've only got the one. Um, I'm not nearly as prolific of a writer. And I don't know. I might do another one or I might not. I haven't decided. Uh, But... Probably not. Honestly, it's a lot of work. Probably not. Uh, yeah, you can check those things out, and you should. So let's just jump right into today's topic. And like I said earlier, we're going to be on the edits for a very long time. I just looked at it. I am on page 22 of... Let's see. We don't include the index. 228. So again, kind of what this is, as I was thinking of... What should my next topic be? And I was like, well, I'll just make up things. Like, we'll talk about Yule this episode, or we'll talk about Odin this episode, or whatever. But then instead of making up those topics, I was like, well, why don't I just read the Eddas? Because all of that stuff is in this book, and I will just let myself go on tangents, which is what I'm doing. And this is probably going to last until I die. Maybe not that long, but um, I think we're going to be on this for a very long time. So I do hope everybody's enjoying the format. And I will say, and then I'll start, um, really read that as on your on your own. Uh, if you've read nothing, I would start with the Poetic Eddas, which is not what we're going through, but we have in the past. You can listen to those episodes. I would start with the Poetic Eddas, which start with the Valsapa and the Havamal. The Valsapa and the Havamal are, are kind of the most important stories and then the poetic eddas that's like the biggest piece of lore and then i'd read the the regular eddas after that anyway please read these so let's see where we were then spoke Ganglary, what a ter- what a terrible lot of names you have given him by my faith one would need a great deal of learning to be able to give details and explanations of what events have given rise to each of these names Uh, so we went over this yes yesterday we went over this last month where each of odin's names are significant like the meaning of bulwark is very different from the meaning of har or got or any of these other things and that tells us about the stories that are being told so Touching on that again. Then said, hi, it's very instructive to go closely into all this. Put, But to put it in a word, most names have been given him as a result of the fact that with all the branches of language in the world, each nation finds it necessary to adapt his name to their language for invocation and prayers for themselves. But some events giving rise to these names have taken place in his travels and have been made the subject of stories. And you cannot claim to be a wise man if you are unable to tell of these important happenings. Okay, so it is interesting that it mentions different places have different names for Odin. And the classic is like, Odin is 
Swedish, I think, the word Odin. But then um, you might also hear Woten, which, you know, in other parts of the world he might be called. So, like, there's there are some distinctions there. But I think the story giving rise to the names is really the more important. If you want to call him Woten versus Odin in your bloats, I do think that's sort of a comfortable thing. What do you feel comfortable with? I don't think it's a, it's not a right and a wrong. Now, I'm not, I'm not going as far, I'm not going some like, so, so there is a theory, which I do not ascribe to, that all the gods are the same from all mythologies and there's only one real god and he just has a bunch of different names so instead of so i say odin but you say hermes i am not saying that because i do not believe that and that's not what this is talking about this is talking about just different regional dialects i think odin and woden or woten are the same god but that doesn't mean odin and hermes is the same god and it doesn't mean the norse gods and the celtic gods are the same i think that's just a people like universalism people like it to be the case that the world is simple i like the world to be simple it's nice to have a simple world where there's a right and there's a wrong and there's only one pantheon of gods and done you can say i'm right you're wrong you're all going to hell it's easy to say that and a lot of people want to say that but my view of austro and norse mythology is it's one of many mythologies so odin balder frigga freya those are all gods and goddesses of the norse pantheon and they're out there and they exist and they have stories and they're real but there's also a greek pantheon that has Hermes and Zeus. There's also an Egyptian pantheon with Ra, and there's also all these other pantheons. There's a Japanese pantheon, and they've got a completely different set of gods. There's a Chinese pantheon. There's all these pantheons out there. And none of them are fake, and they're all going to hell. Like, they're real pantheons, too, with real gods, too. And, you know, maybe you connect to those gods, and you worship the Greek gods, that's fine. Everybody has a different way of approaching deity, and everybody is allowed to approach different deities. You know, it's like the real world. There isn't just one group of people. There are not just Europeans. There are not just Americans. And, and an even worse thought is Europeans are the best, or Asians are the best. Like, we don't say that that's not true there are a large number of people of different unique people in the world and they're all equal they're all unique they all have a heritage is worth celebrating so and i don't know this is a bit of a tangent i just i just don't want this this line here where it says um, of the fact with all the branches of language in the world, each nation finds it necessary to adapt his name to their language for invocation and prayers. I think it's a huge stretch to say all religions are really the same religion, but I know there's people out there that believe that, and I am not one of them, and I think it's wrong. I think the spiritual world is just as diverse as the physical world, and there's not a right pantheon and a wrong pantheon. There's just the pantheon that you personally connect to for 
whatever reason you feel like an ancestral connection to this pantheon or that pantheon and that's the one you go with and that's good because because we all have a different spiritual path to go on and one's not better than another um you're just connected to one and not another and like that's a cool thing the world can be an interesting diverse place so i don't i want to take a moment to say that the the Eddas are certainly not preaching some sort of universalism where Norse mythology is the only one and everyone else is evil, because that's not the case. All right, so that tangent is done. Let's continue. Then spoke Inglary, what are the names of the other Aesir, and what do they do, and what glorious works have they done? High said, Thor is the most outstanding of them. He is known as Azathor, Thor of the Aesir, or Oku Thor, driving Thor. He is strongest of all the gods and men. His realm is a place called Thrudvanger, and his hall is called Bilkskirnir. In that hall, there are 540 apartments. It is the biggest building that has ever been built. Thus it says in Grimmensal. But 500 apartments and yet 40 more, I think, are in Bilskriner and all of the building whose roofs I know I know my son's is the greatest okay so talking about Thor quick note here Thor was a very popular god now all the gods were popular obviously but generally speaking people would have a patron or two they'd usually have one patron which is like their quote-unquote main god I have a patron like there's always one there's usually one god that you just feel more connected to, one or two gods that you feel more connected to than the rest. And they'll be the main god that you worship. Again, it doesn't mean you think Thor is better than Freya. It just means you feel connected to Thor because maybe you're a hardworking, honest person and those qualities resonate with you. So you just work more with Thor. It's not like you don't work with Freya at all or you don't think she's real. It's that you work more with Thor. So a lot of these people would have like a main god and that's the one they'd build statues to. Thor was very popular. A lot of people really felt connected to Thor. Um, so was Frey. Thor and Frey were some of the most populars. Odin was of course popular but not nearly as popular as Thor because he was really generally speaking especially in the past it was mostly like the noble kingly people that felt close to him and of course any sort of like what what would you say like seeker of knowledge would obviously feel close to him and then also warriors so like there were a lot of classes but like regular old everyday working people it made more sense for them to go to Thor so we found like archaeologically that there's there's a whole lot there's a bunch of statues to Thor so he's very popular Thor Thor has Thor has two goats, whose names are Tangnost and Tangrisnir, and a chariot that he drives in. And the goats draw the chariot. From this he is known as Okuthor. He also has three special professions. One of possession, sorry. One of them is the hammer Mjolnir, well known to frost giants and mountain giants when it is raised aloft. And that is not to be wondered at. It has smashed many a skull for their fathers and kinsmen. He has another possession that is very valuable, a girdle of might, and when he buckles it on, 
his ass strength is doubled. He has a third thing that is most that is his most important possession. This is a pair of iron gloves. He must not be without these when he grips the hammer. But there is no one so wise that can recount all his exploits, though I can tell you so many stories about him that much time will be taken up before all I know is told. Okay, so um, what do I say about this? Thor is a popular god. He has a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories in the Eddas, poetic Eddas, in, in regular Eddas, uh, about Thor, because he's popular. Um, I guess I'll quickly mention Mjolnir is extremely important because it's really the most effective way for the gods to fight and kill the giants. So Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, comes up a lot, that he needs that to kill the giants and defend humans and Azir both. Uh, the Girl of Strength makes him strike twice as strong, which really goes into the killing giants thing, because you need to be strong to wield the hammer, and then of course the gloves, which are said to be the most important here, because he needs those to wield the hammer. Uh, so really there's three things, but they all three go to the same purpose of being able to kill the giants, which defends both humanity and the gods. So, very important god, and I think like Things oftentimes come in three. That's just something that comes up. It's not just Norse mythology, just like in mythology and in the world in general. Three has always been a powerful and a magical number, so it's probably why he quote unquote split um, this task of killing giants into kind of three parts. Anyway, it's, I feel like this is relatively straightforward, and Thor's kind of famous for being a straightforward god. He is the most honest of the gods. He's the strongest. He just strikes me as a straightforward god, more than the other ones. Not to say he's simple-minded, but he is directed and straightforward, and you know, he does not want to hide things about him, which is not true of a lot of the other gods. Okay, so, moving on. Then spoke Inglary, I would like to hear information about Morazir. High said, Odin's second son is Baldur, and there and there is good to be told of him. He is best, and all praise him. He is so fair in appearance and so bright that light shines from him, and there is a plant so white that it is called after Baldur's eyelash. It is the whitest of all plants, and from this you can see, or you can tell his beauty both of hair and body. He is the wisest of the Aesir, and most beautifully spoken and most merciful. But it is one of his characteristics that none of his decisions can be fulfilled. He lives in a place called Bridalblek. This is in heaven. No unclean thing is permitted to be there, and it says here. It is called Bridalblek, where Balder has made himself a dwelling, in that land where I know to be fewest evil intents. Interesting. Um, and and this sort of goes back to, or is because of the story of Balder, which I'm sure we've gone over multiple times. The short version is Loki arranges for Balder to be killed, and then he is killed by the mistletoe, goes to the underworld, and he's dead now. But in Ragnarok, he'll come back, and he's going to be the new like head of the gods. So he can't make any decisions because he's dead. Like, he's not connected to 
Asgard. He can't travel, or uh, Midgard. He can't travel to and affect Midgard like the rest of the gods can. But, hopefully, next cycle, he will. Uh, but yeah, that's why he can't make a difference. And I guess they're saying here that he's in heaven, but I think what's important and how this is the same as being dead is there's not a connection to Asgard. And that's really interesting. What do you think, uh, what do you say of Baldur, like at bloats? You could certainly hail Baldur uh, just to remember him as being a great god who you know is quote-unquote dead. He's in whatever the the afterlife of the god. Weird concept there, but he is in a place that cannot connect to Asgard. But you couldn't really ask Baldur for favors, where I feel like you can ask the other gods for favors, especially in the form of guidance. You're not like, hey, Frey, give me 20 bucks because I need to buy some groceries. Like, not that. But you could ask Frey for guidance in financial affairs or Odin for guidance in affairs of self-exploration and knowledge uh, or Thor you could ask Thor for resolve if you had a physical task that needs to be done but could you ask Balder for guidance I feel like no because he can't really communicate with us where he is can you travel to Balder and talk to him I feel like most of the gods you could do meditative practice to have some sort of connection to them but traveling to somewhere outside that's kind of cut off from Midgard is maybe something that'd be more difficult to do. So Balder is a good god and a good god to remember and think about and honor and all of that stuff. But as far as like working with him, I think it's a lot more limited than the rest of the gods because he's not connected to Midgard so much anymore. But he will be in the next cycle, but that's not where we are yet. Okay, moving on. The third As is the one called Njord. He lives in heaven in a place called Noatun. He rules over the motion of winds and moderate and moderates sea and fire. It is to him one must pray for voyages and fishing. He is so rich and wealth he is so rich and wealthy that he can grant wealth of lands or possessions to those that pray to him for this. Njord is not of the race of Azir, he was brought up in the land of the Vanir, but the Vanir gave him as hostage to the gods and took in exchange as an Azir hostage the one called Hainir. He came to be the pledge of truth between the gods between the gods and the Vanir. Okay, so talking about Njord classically okay, so so I want to go over this quickly. Blah, blah, blah. It says he's wealthy. It is to him who must pray for voyages and fishing. He is so rich and wealthy that he can grant wealth of lands or possessions to those that pray to him for this. Just in case anyone was confused, um, the way I think that would work, again, is that he can guide you in those pursuits and inspire you in those pursuits. It's not like you can say, hey, Njord, I want a house. And then you just get a mysterious letter in the mail, which is a deed to the house, and it's signed Njord. Like, our ancestors weren't dumb. That's not what this is saying. It's saying if you work with him. Like, let's say you're wanting to buy a house if you work with Njord. Then maybe he can guide you and inspire you to, like, find the right house. Because that's just how working with gods 
kind of works. It's a, it's a lot more subtle than, you know, maybe it is on TV shows or in D&D where you can just like cast fireball or cast charm person and just immediately there's this like physical reaction where well, you cast a fireball or someone just does whatever you want. It doesn't it doesn't work quite like that and the way it works is an interesting topic which I think I have gone over before. Um, I won't get too deep into that now because it's a whole long tangent, but I'll just stick with it's a lot more subtle. Uh, but if you had some need for physical things, then you would want to work with Njord on that. And however you think that works, it, it may be that you think that the stories of Njord and Njord himself will just like inspire you and it's mostly an internal thing and you just you are like subconsciously changing your behavior to a behavior that is better to get the house you want or if you think that it's just changing the luck of the world so that you see things you wouldn't normally see like however you think that works is up to you um but njord is the one very much connected to wealth Frey is also connected to wealth so that would kind of be a question of what wealth are you looking for but like the fishing and the voyages are very much directly in the realm of Njord and I will also say Frey is also Vanir I mean he's Njord's son uh, the Vanir have a lot to do with wealth and nature and weather and travel and stuff like that all of the like natural side of things where the Aesir and of course this isn't a hard and fast rule it's just generally and the Aesir generally have to do more with society and politics maybe and stuff like that warfare so the Aesir are more like man-made things which to include society language war defense of your home all of that stuff and the Vanir are more nature-made things like um wealth, weather, rain, fertility, things like that. So, um, there you go. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Njord has a wife called Scotty, daughter of the giant Theosis. Scotty wants to have her home, wait, Scotty wants to have the home her father had had, but is in some mount... Oh, I'm sorry. This is in some mountains, a place called Thrymheim. But Njord wants to be near the sea. They agreed on this and that they should stay nine nights in Thrymheim and then alternate nine at Noton. But when Njord came back to Noton from the mountains, he said this. Um, just real quickly, I want to point out that Scotty, uh, wife of Njord, a god, was a giant originally. Thor's mother was also a giant. I'm pointing this out because it is not the case that giants are... It is not necessarily the case that giants are inherently evil. It is the case that most giants happen to be evil and happen to want to destroy the gods and ultimately make the world a stagnant place. But we see some situations here where we have some giants who have come to the side of the god. So that's just important to say because it's a little less black and white than maybe some people 
would originally think, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, all giants are evil. Full stop. But that's not the case because Scotty is a giant. She's obviously good. She's somebody that you can work with because she has joined the side of the Azir. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Giants are just like another, I guess race would be the word. Uh, just like the Azir and the Vanir are two separate groups of people. The giants are a third separate group of people. And then the fire giants, the fire giants are a fourth separate group of people. And I don't think everybody agrees with me on this, but I think frost giants and fire giants are very different. They're not just two types of giants. They're just they're just as different as the Aesir are from the Vanir or the Vanir and Aesir are from the giants. And the role of the fire giants in Ragnarok is very different than the role of the frost giants. The frost giants, their ultimate goal is to destroy the gods and humanity and make the world stagnant and never changing and you know be forces of frost which just stops everything from moving it leads to stagnation the fire giants led by cert are they are extremely chaotic forces but i think their real goal is to destroy the world entirely but that's not necessarily a bad thing because at this point in time, the world maybe needs to be destroyed so it can be reborn. And then Odin and the Aesir have the goal to make sure that the world does not fall into stagnation because of the frost giants, but rather is destroyed by the fire giants, but at the right time. And I think that's the grand plan that Odin has been you know, spending all this time to create. He needs... He knows that the world has to be destroyed and be destroyed, you know, but then be reborn. So it has to be destroyed in the right way. You can't let it fall into stagnation because that's not being destroyed. That's just falling into stagnation. It has to actually be destroyed. But to do that, you have to make sure that the fire, that the frost giants don't win the war. And also, you don't just want to willy-nilly nuke the world. You know, you want to make sure that the destruction happens at the right time it's a cyclical thing like a like a forest fire forest fires are usually bad and you know pretty much all the ones that are started for, by some dummy not putting out their campfire are bad but it is the case that as a forest gets more and more overgrown it starts choking out the life of the forest and a forest fire in the long run is part of nature and makes a healthier forest after the fact and that's kind of what ragnarok is and cert or the fire giants are sort of the forest fire so odin is almost trying to set up a controlled burn so we don't have unnecessarily unnecessary forest fires but eventually it has to happen so that's kind of how i see that difference but but if you think about it that way the forest fire versus forces of stagnation you see that fire giants and frost giants are just opposite ends of the spectrum so i just wanted to say that um we're also coming up on uh, the end so let me get over this or through the thing with Njord and then we'll stop okay so when Njord came back he said he said I hate mountains not long was I or I hate mountains not long was I there just nine nights wolves howling I thought ugly compared with the swan song then Scotty said this
I could not sleep on the sea's bed for the bird screaming. He wakes me who comes from out at sea every morning, that gall. Then Scotty went up into the mountains and lived in Thrumhind and generally travels on skis and carries a bow and shoots game. She is called Ski Deity, or Ski Lady, as it says. It is called Thrymheim where Theasi dwelt, that most mighty giant. But now Scotty, bright bride of gods, inhabits her father's old abode. Um... I am going to go ahead and stop here because now next is talking about Njordan Noten uh, having two children, uh, Freya and Freya. And I feel like that's a good place to stop, so I'm going to wrap up there because it's been about as long as I want to do this. Uh, I'm not really going to have any closing remarks other than everybody read the edits because there's some really interesting lore in there. I do hope you got something out of this. I gave you something to uh, think about. Again, I am not an expert. I do not expect anybody to agree with me. I just want to go over these things so you can kind of think about them and throw out my opinion to spark your own opinion. So I hope you got something good out of this, and I hope that you'll think more about these things because they are definitely worth the time. Um, and I think I'll leave it there. So I want to thank everybody very much for listening, and I will remind you, if you want to check out my website, feel free to do so. You can find it at huenhoff.org. It is an HTTPS site now. Sometimes you have to type that in for it to work. But if, you're, if your browser is refusing, if, if you've got like the good browser that forces you to go to the HTTPS sites, it should start. It should be working now. Uh, six months ago or so, it wasn't. It is now. I added that. Well, no, I didn't. My internet hosting company added it after I paid them to add it. Anyway. It should be working now if you ever had those security warnings. Uh, there's a secure site now. So feel free to check that out. That's hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And subscribe to the RSS while you're there because if you've been listening to this, to this for a while, you know that I am not, I rarely get this out on the first of the month. I usually do it the first week of the month, kind of depending on where the weekend and all of that is. So subscribe to the rss it pops in your feed whenever it's out and you do not have to think about it so that's how i would suggest listening to them and check out steve's book amazon.com Stephen oaks all those links are in the show notes and i will talk to you next month thanks for listening for hell <laughs>